The following episode of Fofop is rated MA. It contains alternating hosts, a rotating roster of guests, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15, or anyone who came here looking for one of those highbrow NPR-type podcasts. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deeg speaking. Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Charlie Clawson and my guest this week is podcast royalty, Mr. Sunday Movies himself, James Clement. Welcome back to Fofop. I can't believe that we're doing another Fofop. It's been a year or two years or four years. I don't know. What what are years, you know? I, I don't know anymore. I mean, I think when we did the last one, was I even in my home? I, I spent four months on the road because we got trapped in Queensland when the borders, right, the borders yeah, yeah. shut. And so I feel like... It's, you were talking about renovations, like so maybe you were? I don't know. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, oh, yeah that's right, because I built this dedicated podcast studio for TOEFOP in which we've recorded zero episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was a great exercise Yeah, in learning uh, how to renovate. Um, but yeah, we, we haven't... And I, and I doubt in the future we will ever record in the same room ever again. It's just so convenient to do it this way. Oh, absolutely it is. Yeah, yeah. And look, if you can, if you can get the connection right, what does it matter? Who cares? Does, you know? Meso still comes around to do your show, doesn't he? does, he? yeah, yeah, because I don't think he has a dedicated podcast studio in his <laughs> flat that he lives in. Unless he does, that he's been hiding it from me and doing secret podcasts. But, no, I listened uh, to a few episodes of The Weekly Planet that mm. you were doing during lockdown. Yeah. So I heard the ones where you were allowed like, you know, one friend or whatever. And so that was when he was still coming over. But yes. prior to that, were you doing it via Zoom? We did a few via Zoom, yeah. And we did like some videos via Zoom. But it's just annoying and like the timing is kind of off and you know what I mean? I don't know. It just didn't – because well, I think it's also because we've been doing it so long in the same room. And so he mm. prefers to drive like the 40 minutes or whatever it is to get here, which is fine with me because I don't have to drive anywhere. You know, yeah. so. <laughs> I, I mean, I prefer doing it in the room as well. And yeah. I mean, Will Will only lives 15 minutes from me now, like closer than when we yeah. both lived in Sydney, but still yeah. we're like, oh, it's easy if we just roll out of bed and like just do yeah. it via Zoom. And I, 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 I don't know what the motivation is to go back to recording the same studio unless unless we're given money. Like if, if we get a Spotify deal, like a Rogan-esque Spotify yeah. deal and we can build a custom-built studio that yeah, has absolutely. slides. That has like slides, a motorized slide to take me from my bedroom to the studio. Now, now yeah. we're talking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Spotify. Yeah, if you could get if you get some Joe Rogan money, that's priority number one. Yeah. Have you uh, uh, this whole controversy around Joe Rogan and Spotify? Do you yeah. feel like um, it, it's kind of it, it's hilarious that there is sort of like one podcast that is like the touchstone. I imagine when the Beatles are around, when you talked about like a rock and roll band, you're talking about the Beatles. And it yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. When people talk about podcasts, the one podcast everyone knows is the Joe, even if they haven't heard of it, they've heard of the Joe Rogan. Exactly. Experience. He's Oprah basically now at this point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oprah who's pushing ivermectin. Yeah, that's right. Bropra. I think some people have called him. <laughs> <laughs> How were your, How was your experience with COVID? Because you got it, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I got. It. I had it for a week or so, and we all, my family, kind of, we all took it in turns to get it, which was good. So we were isolated yep. for like the maximum amount of time. But you know, we <laughs> we were we were double vaxxed and you know, school holidays, and it was kind of harder on the kids because you know they couldn't go and do stuff, you know, independently of us. But it was it was fine. Like a lot of the people I know who have kids who got it were just like, I was fine, and I just kept going. But everyone without kids is like. Oh, I was sick. I was out for a week. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And that could just be a coincidence. But also, like, if I was sick and I didn't have kids, I probably would have just sat down for a week. You know, so I can't really uh, complain. I was so keen when I got it. I was like, awesome. Because, you know, so I got the diagnosis first. And so yeah. Jen was out with Iona. And so I texted to say, oh, look, the test has just come back positive. This is before the Omicron wave. It's just mm. early December. And so I said, I've isolated myself in the bedroom. I'll just stay in here. And in my head, I'm like... I'm going to get so much like reading done and watching movies. And Jen was leaving food outside my door and stuff. 
And then I said, well, you should get like tested as well. And then she and Iana got tested and they both came back positive. I'm like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> I had like a brief window where I was going to be like waited on hand and foot. And then it's like, oh, well, we're all sick now. So we all have to bloody just go back to living like normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's annoying. Yeah, they, they were right though. You guys obviously were all. They were good. fine. Yeah. They, they wouldn't have gotten tested if it wasn't. For me, I was yeah. like, I had I had two days where I was pretty sick, like fever and um, just feeling generally, like I had like a cough and stuff and generally unwell. Mm. And it was, like I said, it was at the, the start of that kind of Omicron wave. So I had to do that humiliating thing of, like we, I caught it from a party and we haven't been to a party in, since I only was born. So like two years mm. and we we're both, you know, really excited for this party and stuff. And as a friend's 40th and we rock up and I'm like immediately like, um, this doesn't look good. I mean, even though Omicron wasn't quite here yet, it was 50-something people in a small bar with no one's wearing masks. And sure enough, like two days later, I'm starting to feel a bit of a tickle in my chest. Still didn't think I had it, so I got tested because I thought I'd do the right thing. Yeah. And in that time, we'd gone out to dinner with friends. We had yeah, a, shit, a couple yeah. come around for drinks one night. Had gone to a barbecue. So I had been the most socially active <laughs> that I'd ever been in two years in that three-day period. And then when I got the positive test, I had to sort of go through like my contact list. And, and it was back when they were still sort of tracing. And so I yeah. had to go through and let everyone know. And uh, it turns out that there was a bartender at this party. He had it. And so pretty much everyone at this party caught it as well. But yeah, I got I, I was sick for a couple of days. Jem got tested. Iona... Um, uh, got tested, but they they were fine. Like Jem had a bit of a, a runny mm. nose, but nothing like me. Yeah, but Clay because it was so ahead. Sorry, go on. That's all right. Because it was so ahead of uh, everyone else, it was still kind of like, I guess, like a novelty in a way. We were trying to get like groceries delivered, and because we live semi-rural now, like trying to get a Woolworths delivery. I booked twice in a row. I booked a, an overnight delivery, and just twice in a row, they just didn't turn up. Like I didn't know <laughs> that they could do that. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I remember the the first time I sort of chalked it down to like, okay, cool. Like, you know, everyone makes mistakes and <laughs> things happen. But then the second time I called the, the customer service and like, why did you take the booking if there was any doubt that you could deliver the goods? Like I said, I've got a two-year-old here and if I don't have milk and bread, like it's a it's yeah. a real issue. So in the end I had to call friends and it was hilarious. They were like, it was like we were the house of the damned. Like they would turn up my friends like in full hazmat, you know, with yeah. a box of groceries and leave it like, not even leave it at the front door. They'd leave it at the front gate. So like, you know, 20 meters from the front door yeah. and run we, back to their car. We had similar things as well. People, yeah, people, it was good because people did like, you know, rally and, and to help out, but there was definitely like, we keep it our distance and understandably, you know. Yeah. Well, the friends that we caught up with in that con my contagious period, not one person returned a positive test. And I, I have to assume it's all because they were double vaxxed. But mm. that was amazing. Like I so was like positive that I was going to, you know, you read the article about the guy who went to Bunnings five times and blah, blah, oh, blah. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But that was Everyone's that like was local, local dickhead ruins everything for everybody. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It's exactly. I was the local. This guy dickhead. thinks he's better than everyone. Doesn't have to follow the yeah. rules. <laughs> yeah, and now it's so. Like by the time um, Iona was, because she was the last one. Like so, a few days after us to come out of it. That was just after Perite had lifted all the restrictions. Mm. And the 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 nurse I spoke to was basically like, "Look, dude, <laughs> whatever you want to do, <laughs> just yeah, yeah, you know, we'll just trust you to do the right thing. Like, no one's going to check on you. Like, you really should be staying isolated for ten days. But if you don't, so you know, just stay away from people." I'm like, "All right, that's the world we live in now. It's the personal yeah. responsibility." Era. Exactly. It's. I mean, the cat's out of the bag at this point, isn't it? It's everywhere. You know. Yeah. So, what do you do? Yeah. I, mean, I did think it was funny on Twitter seeing all these like um, comedians who right at the start or, you know, in the people on social media, like posting their positive tests, like, oh no. And then within about a week, it became the most passe kind yeah, of thing. No, like, right, yeah. I saw all this outpouring of sympathy for these people who are posting their like rat test, positive rat test. And yeah. then within a week, people are like, who gives a fuck? Stop yeah. doing that. Shut up. Get on with it. Yeah. 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 And when I had it, I was like, I kind of, I'm like, I kind of feel like shit, but I'm like, I always feel like shit. Like I don't sleep that well, you know? So I'm like, it could be, you know, and I didn't know for a few days. So I just lay low cause I couldn't get a test, but I was like, I don't know. I'm always tired. So maybe it's, just, maybe it's just that, you know? 
Did you have? How was your uh, taste and smell? That was. The was one I, thing I lost that I found my different. smell a little bit, but I'm fine. Other than that, Claire had it a little bit worse yeah. than me. But um, yeah, it's only probably about now that I feel kind of hundred percent, and that's also because I took a month off to like eat ice cream and not work out. So, you know, that may have always been, that may have also been a contributing factor to why I didn't feel uh, great. It's a good excuse though. I mean, to happen around Christmas, because generally that's when you like, you know, you just want to eat and drink around that yeah. period anyway. And so having an excuse, cause it was right, right. I think we got out, we were released from ISO on the 22nd. So we had a really good lead in to like Christmas gorging. <laughs> it was just like, well, oh, yeah. We can't. I mean, what are you going to? How am I going to exercise in the house? I do push-ups like an animal. <laughs> you yeah, kidding me? <laughs> like a caveman? Yeah. yeah there was a time this? when I when I was like in the middle of it, and I'm like, I'm going to do a workout at home, and I did a workout, and I did like something like 30 burpees in a row at the end, and I was dying. Like I'm like, oh no, this yeah. is like I do actually have something. Like I could bear, I couldn't couldn't like catch my breath. Like, do I have asthma? I oh no, I have COVID. That's right. Yeah, I reckon that's actually one that I. That people underestimate the shortness of breath lingered mm. for me for definitely a month. Like not like I couldn't breathe, but just like you say, when you did any yeah. physical activity, going a bit up winded, and down stairs, yeah. a bit winded. Yeah, and I'm like, mm. oh my god, or it's either that or I'm just getting old. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That was also my feelings as well. Yeah. <laughs> but the one great thing uh, that, that allowed me to do is I've actually been watching stuff. I remember the last time we talked, I was asking you like, how do you find the time to watch things? I know it's mm. your job and stuff. But I've been actually able to consume. Yeah, you get sick. <laughs> oh, it's so good, man. It's really good. But also because Iona's a little bit older now as well. And yep. so she's sleeping longer and she's going to daycare. So there is actual <sighs> time. Makes a, makes a huge difference, yeah. I am so in love with Peacemaker. Like, um, oh, five it's amazing, isn't it? In. Yeah. Like, is it just me or is it a really, really good show? Have no, I been well, deprived I of like, so. entertainment it's... for so long? It's real. I, I agree. I think it's true. How many did you say? Did you say five? Five. Yeah. Yeah. Five yeah. So, so it's just wrapped up. But yeah, so I just watched the last one the other day. Amazing. Loved it. Like, and it's also really lean. Like there's no, they don't pad anything out. You know what I mean? They don't yeah. really tease things too much about, oh, maybe this is coming in a few episodes. Like it'll show you stuff and it just moves really quickly, which I just really appreciate. Because I think a lot of stuff is just like, they really kind of, even if it is six or eight, it feels like a movie stretched over six hours yeah. you know it's that net netflix syndrome isn't it it was kind of like with yeah. the daredevil and jessica jones it's like you've got six episodes here but you've made eight <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and you can I think really the first tell. daredevil was like 13 or something like that and i like that show right. i gonna be wrong i thought it was really good but yeah and a lot of like the, the disney plus stuff is like this feels like it could be less episodes of this you know <laughs> it's funny because Gemma and i our viewing habits i know you do suggestible with claire and so mm. you know there 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 is a, a compulsion not necessarily to watch the same thing but at least to sort of be on the same page when it comes to consumables yeah whereas yeah. gemini have like deviated i think for a while she maybe humored me and would watch stuff that i liked just because you know she thought she had to but now it's just like there's you know those airs and graces are lost you know yeah, she'll yeah. watch her what she watches and i'll watch what i watch but uh, peacemaker i'm really because she's she was over superhero stuff like mm. a while ago. Like she, she, she tapped out. I think around sort of the end of the Avengers. I think she was like, okay, well that was fine, but I, I don't want to see another like cape or costume. Twenty twelve Avengers, or like the last. Oh no, sorry, like end, end game, end game <laughs> yeah. Avengers. She went and saw. Um, I think, uh, I think she saw Infinity War and is it? Hang on, was it Infinity War? Infinity War and called. then End Game. Yeah, yeah. End Game. Yeah. So I think she saw both of those without having seen pretty much any of the films since like maybe the first Thor. Yeah, so yeah. I had to sort of fill her in a lot, but she enjoyed it. But I, again, I think she was like, well, I don't need to see anything anymore. Yeah. And I kind of tended to agree with it. Like there's a lot of stuff I'm like, oh God, this is just so paint by numbers. But then this show comes along and I've been trying to explain it to her because I think she'll like it. And I said, it's kind of, it's, it's almost like got that Tarantino energy. Like if mm. Tarantino was going to make a, a comic book film, where it's self-referential, but the dialogue is so great. And I love the way like the characters just stop to have a conversation about the minutiae of vocabulary yeah, or, you absolutely. know, getting, a, or getting facts wrong. Or, and it's, and it's so like, he, he does a great way of doing exposition. Like the, the episode I just watched was where, so, you know, without, how do we do it without giving spoilers away? 
So the the big bad of the series, they mm. keep it sort of quite mysterious for the first four episodes. And then by the fifth episode, there's a big PowerPoint presentation where they basically explain, oh, this is what's been going on the whole time yep. and this is what they're dealing with. And ordinarily, like in lesser hands, that is the most boring exposition or the most kind of on-the-nose exposition. But then they just turned it into this whole thing about one character making fun of another character for how shit his PowerPoint presentation is (laughs) and how confusing the images (laughs) are. Yeah. And it was so brilliant. And I just sat there going, that's why James Gunn is such a fantastic writer because he is giving you all the information you need but disguising it under this really funny and really relatable conversation where the person is complaining about the clip art that he's using in his PowerPoint (laughs) presentation. It feels really also like a bit mixed between like something like his Guardians of the Galaxy and like a Slither as well. You know what I mean? It's got that kind of team dynamic, but it's also really mean and gory at the same time, you know? Yeah. Which I really like. Yeah, it's it's kind of got that comic book kind of violence and like, you know, um, those big bold kind of like images and stuff. But then... It's also quite moving as well. Like, yeah, it's yeah. so it was it's unexpectedly um, heartfelt, you know. The and John Cena too, who you know as a wrestler I could sort of take or leave, but as an actor he's really accomplished. He's very was, good. Yeah, he's just really good and and really pushes himself. Like there's some really um, uh, powerful moments where it's just him on his own, just like filled with self loathing. And then there's other moments where obviously you know. James Gunn has written around who John Cena is, but where other characters often refer to how weird his body is. <laughs> you <laughs> notice that? Yeah. There's like a handful of occasions where they're just like, it's so weird and you're so weird and lumpy. And it is a weird, lumpy body. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I always like find that's the problem with a movie. Not even a problem, but something funny I find about like the like the Arnold movies of the 80s. When like a guy like Commando comes in, or even like in um what's the christmas one jingle all the way if you saw a man like that you'd be like what is this like ex- yeah. explain what all this is what what you're a you're a phone salesman why are you why are you enormous uh, well true true lies is like the, the classic one of those it's like he's meant to be like a computer analyst or yeah, something that's that's right. like, but, but why do you look like that yeah why can you throw a horse what's going on <laughs> it's funny uh, too because uh there are moments in which his body is so distracting like he does a couple of like dances in his underwear and stuff but Mm. have you noticed how he can't like it opens with the most incredible uh opening credit sequence amazing dance sequence to wigwam Mm. but he can't because his biceps are so huge (laughs) his shoulders everything kind of bushes together yeah Yeah. bushes up like he can't actually put i doubt he can put his hands together over the top of his head because he'd squash his ears yeah well a lot of guys like that like or more like professional bodybuilders they can't they've got no like mobility they can't run you know what i mean like it's all very impractical you know Uh. i've got to send you this link a friend of mine gave me um in the early 90s vince mcmahon bought like the International Bodybuilding Federation. Oh, did he? And he had these plans to like jazz it up and turn it into like this, you know, international um, entertainment, like the the wrestling. Um, But without any of the kind of like interesting storylines or or, or athleticism that you get in wrestling. So it's a, it's a failed pilot that you can find on YouTube and it's, it's all these bodybuilders coming up with these kind of like vignettes that they've filmed beforehand. And, so, and it's 1992 as well. Mm. And so there is just incredible, not high production, but mid-production vignettes before the bodybuilder comes on stage and does their poses. And so like the wrestling, all the bodybuilders have been given like a thing, like a gimmick or a moniker. <laughs> okay. And the first one, I can't even remember the bodybuilder's name, but his gimmick is that like he's like Rambo. And so the vignette, is him like, you know, strapping on a, a, a bandolero, you know, loading like an nice. M16, yep. you know, just coiling, yeah. uh, you know, uh, 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 shells around his arm. He's being driven and out then, of the town for, for being, for being a, <laughs> for, a vagrant. A vagrant. A vagrant. A vagrant. <laughs> a vagrant, yeah. 
<laughs> I knew that was wrong as soon but, as I said it. So they do this whole vignette where it's like him, you know, muscle bound and, you know, putting on his face paint. And, Does he know, look like Rambo? Has he got like the mullet? And- no. Okay. No, no. He's just got, he's just got camo pants. He's shirtless with camo pants and this huge gun. Yeah. And like all these bullets all over him. But then the most amazing thing is that, so he, so then they cut to the, you know, the auditorium where the bodybuilding competition is happening. He comes onto stage with this giant gun. And then just starts firing the gun into the crowd. Like you can tell it was a completely different time. Like, you know, they have some stuntmen playing ninjas run on stage and he like he shoots them and like, you know, karate chops them and stuff. But then he's just like firing indiscriminately into the crowd. And you're what? like, holy shit. Like, no wonder this didn't make it past the pilot stage. <laughs> and that's not even like a narrative. Like, what even is that? You know, because they're not. They're all independent and they're all coming out and doing a different like talent. Like I don't even. Well, it's just they all. Is. So so his gimmick is like, you know, he's the, mm. he's the soldier. And then the next guy's one is that he was the jet man, which is like a top gun kind of ripoff. So, you know, his okay. is him getting into an airplane and putting on aviators and stuff. Volleyball. Yeah. But there's this other, there's this other guy. Uh, I can't, and it was like something like Mike Madman Walsh and his vignette. Is him uh, being in, being locked up in prison, and he's like in a straitjacket because he's a madman. And then the cops like, "You're never getting out of here, Walsh, or whatever it is." And he gets <laughs> up and he rips off his straitjacket, tears the door of the cell, and then runs on the stage in his loincloth. <laughs> so implying doing this that the state that the prison is backstage, like they're somehow yeah, connected right. to these two yeah. buildings. <laughs> Well, they've pre-filmed this thing yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he runs onto stage and then starts doing the most insane, like, so most of the bodybuilders, like, there's traditional poses that they'll throw, you know, they'll place their hands on the hips and make their pecs stick out. Yeah, they flare out the, yeah. Yeah, but this guy, he's fucking rock and roll, James. So when he comes onto stage, he's going to do rock and roll poses, which (laughs) basically consists of him screaming at the crowd, like just stalking the stage from left to right to screaming. But then everything stops, the lights go down, and two backup dancers come onto stage, and he starts lip-syncing to a rap about himself. It's amazing. Like it's, it's, it's Gemma actually asked me to stop watching it. Cause I got so obsessed with it. That, like whenever I had a spare half hour, I'd have to watch another like clip from this bodybuilding competition. It was fantastic. It, that's so bizarre that he didn't go like, just make it pumping iron, just make it like reality television, throw in the personal drama and the highs and the lows. Like that's a successful formula I feel and has proven to be since in like reality television in general. Well, like that's well, crazy Vince to me. Mc- Vince McMahon, I don't know how much you know about him, but he was, he's obsessed with bodybuilders and like in the eighties when the WWF was sort of becoming this huge kind of entertainment uh, platform, Mm. his whole thing was about giants. Like, you know, he just wanted, because in the olden days of professional wrestling, if you were a huge guy, that was the attraction. Come see this seven. Come see a big man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who can throw, can throw logs and wrestle bears and all that kind of shit. And so, um, he also was, you know, very encouraging of, of all these wrestlers taking steroids, which is why mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior and all those guys look so fucking insane in the 80s. And then something happened around the early 90s where whatever the FDA or whatever the, the governing body was decided to crack down on steroids, which kind of doesn't make any sense in the WW. It's not a competitive sport. No. Like, there's no competitive advantage. No. It's all was it, was it a health cosmetic? Thing? Was it like you're killing wrestlers? I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I guess. It was it was prob I think it was yeah, probably more of that anti drug movement. And so then they had to pivot out of uh those giant looking dudes. And that's so where the modern wrestler is, sort of comes from. It's yeah. more of an athletic, you know, they're more gymnasts now. They have more athletic frames. But when you watch this bodybuilding thing, you can see it is like in a strange, I don't know if it's like homoerotic, but it's it's almost like in the same way like a, a little boy, like a little kid might look at his He-Man action figure and just be like, this is the most awesome thing. You know who it's very similar to? Mm. Zack Snyder. Okay. I think Zack Snyder <laughs> is a dude now you're speaking who looks at muscly. You're, you're losing yeah, it, but I'm back. <laughs> yeah, you're back. He looks at muscly dudes and yep. it's just the most awesome thing yeah. he's ever seen. Like 300 it's just fucking how fucking awesome are six packs? Yeah, exactly. How awesome are pecs? Yeah, that's uh, right. Like just to see. We even, muscles, we even gave Diver Dan a six pack, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Took one of his eyes, but gave him six <laughs> muscles in his stomach. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I think, yeah, it, it seems to be like a lot of that aesthetic as well is not actually enjoyed by like the opposite sex or somebody who's, you know, who might find men attractive in a traditional sense. Cause it, but I think it's more like the people in it admiring themselves than other people. Like it's a craft that really is specific to a, like a niche kind of like aesthetic. Well, like appeal. I don't know. I don't know if body dysmorphia is the right word, but there's got to be something going on when you look at yourself and go, you know what I really need mm. is like traps that reach my ears. Yeah. Or, because that's not, it's not, it's not a practical uh, way to have your body and it's going to require so much maintenance as you get older because, you know, all that muscle is just going to turn to, to flab. And unless you've got some amazing program to sort of, I don't know, I don't know how you decrease like muscle mass it, like yeah. safely, mm. but it's like, it's a real commitment. And like you say, like, what are you going to, th- there's only a few careers you can go into when yeah. you've got to walk, turn sideways to go in through a door. Yeah, exactly. It's also like what I didn't realize is well, a lot of the, the guys that not all of them, but like are really little guys as well. And they're like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be a big, a big wide guy, you know? So a lot of dudes are like five foot four and it just, yeah. and, are, and are that wide, you know? I don't know what, Did I mean, I guess if, if it makes them happy, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> you can do that. It's very impressive. Don't get me wrong. It's like, it's, it's an incredible achievement. It takes like amazing dedication. Do you know uh, who Ziz is? Like That uh, Aussie like, dude who died? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, him, yeah, yeah. Who's like, uh, there was part of a, a, a crew in Sydney, I think about 10 years ago, the uh, aesthetics crew, which is like they're bodybuilders, but they've got more of a focus on um, a more proportionate kind of yeah. muscled frame, like the 300 body essentially, like yeah. super muscly, but not like exaggerated muscles. And I went down this huge rabbit hole when I, a friend of mine sent me a link to like, I think it was a, a documentary on him or, or at least, because he was he was kind of uh, really on the, uh, like an early adopter of like social media. And, you know, he would go on, what was that one? Chat roulette? Was that the one? Oh, okay, where I remember Trevor. Yeah, you yeah, could, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'd randomly get connected. So he would upload these videos of some chat roulettes he'd do where he would just wait for a group of girls to pop up on the chat roulette and then he would just like take his shirt off and pose. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just this. And I, for some reason, I just became obsessed with like how many of these videos exist and every time. And you're right, like, I don't know what he thought the reaction was going to be, but it was very rarely that a girl would be like, oh my God. That's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I'm yeah. so in love with you. Most often the girls are like, what is going on? Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. what are you, this what is are a, you doing? This but, is a weird scam. <laughs> like, what is it? It's, it's a weird scam, but also like, what reaction? But not a scam, you know then, what I mean? Like, he wasn't doing a scam. He was. T- <laughs> no. Well, I think that there's watching all these videos and sort of seeing, you know, he was a really skinny kid and then he sort of like created this huge body for himself. And then. Yeah found all this kind of fame and like he did have an impressive physique but it's it's all the it was all the association around it because now there's like i think his facebook page like his tribute page has you know half a million followers and and there's all this there's kind of all this coded language that these guys who sort of follow the aesthetic lifestyle use like Mm. it's it's kind of a it's a kind of a way of expressing yourself expressing your admiration for another man's physique without you know, crossing the line and making him think that you're in love with him. It's just like, you know, and then this is a genuine platonic appreciation. Yeah. It's like so how it's, you would it, look it, at a painting or a statue yeah. or a very so attractive the, man. The, they call it Myron when you're Myron. Oh, Myron. Okay, Myron. right. But yeah, you yeah, remove yeah, yeah. the A and, and, and the D and it's just Myron, apostrophe Myron. And so you're always like, when you see a dude who you think's got a, like a, a, a good body, you just say Myron. <laughs> you just look at him and you nod and you say Myron. And he gives you the thumbs up. Yeah, I mean, up. God, everything's got like a subculture. Does did his heart explode or something? I'm like, was it a was it heart failure or? Yeah, look, mm. I don't know. I he mean, probably had some I underlying he had health coupled failure. with maybe all the maybe. steroid use. I mean, or... maybe. maybe. I mean, I think you know. <laughs> I think I think when your heart gives out before you turn thirty, and and you know you, you're a bodybuilder, there's maybe some contributing factors. I don't know what the official autopsy results were, but yeah, it's. I mean, he's it's to the point where um, his fame is, is is so great that when well, I was in the states once, and I was getting an Uber, and the guy was like, "Oh, you're Australian," and he's like, "Oh, 
do you know Ziz? And I'm like, fuck you, know Ziz, <laughs> like the legend of aesthetics. And then, are you Myron? When I see you looking in the rear view, are you Myron? <laughs> you Myron me right now? Know. Yeah. Wasn't it, do you remember it was also a thing and they kind of put a stop to it? Him and like guys like him would go to music festivals, outdoor music festivals and just take their yeah. shirts off. But then yeah. they put like a ban on that. They're like, no, you can't, I'd, you can't do this anymore. Cause I think maybe like it would, I don't know, for whatever reason, like it would just cause trouble. Like people would see that as a threat and like a fight would break out or whatever. But I'm sure like a bunch of music festivals are just like, you're just coming here to take your shirt off and like start fights with people. Oh man, on uh, his YouTube page, like there's heaps of videos of them back, like, you know, behind the scenes at the music festivals yeah. and they literally would co coordinate their outfits, which would be generally those little, you know, those little exercise shorts, those parachute pants, yeah. exercise shorts with a bum bag so they could carry like, I guess, some cards and some cash in. But they would periodically go to the toilets, not to do drugs or to use the toilet, but to do push-ups. So they would really? just go off and like, yeah, and get jacked and then come out and walk around. And it's, 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 you know, look, I'm not judging, but I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, am I mean, you're already big. Behavior. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I mean, they do that in movies as well. You know what I mean? They'll like do a bunch of bicep curls before or whatever, you know? Yeah. Mm. I mean, that, those toilets think, are disgusting. Um, Put your hands on the floor. In there oh well. my God. <laughs> Can you imagine? It'd be so bad. Um, uh, Zack Snyder in, uh, yeah, so Man of Steel, right? Mm. You've got Henry Cavill. I remember seeing that movie and the, like he's shirtless pretty early on. Like he's coming out of the water or, or a yeah, lake he's or something like that. I remember going, he, and he looks way too big. Like, <laughs> A, why does Superman need to be muscular? Mm. I mean, I understand it's a superhero and he needs to have a good frame, but I thought like the Christopher Reeve frame was, Fine, you're going to be wearing a, a, yeah, like he a, was, a full length, and he was unitard. like he was in great shape, yeah. But why? But why did Henry Cavill look? He looked like he's he had that John Cena thing where he's like he comes running out of the lake, and his <laughs> arms are like this. He can't put his arms down properly because his lats are so big and his arms are so big. And yeah. I just was like, I think this was a case of Zack Snyder going, "Muscles are awesome." Yeah, and muscle, Henry, yeah. you're going to have to hit. You're going to hit the gym for six months. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen Eternals yet, but from what I understand, Kamal Nanjani got super jacked to never take his shirt off. For no Is reason. Right? Like, I mean, again, like he looks great and like yeah, there's photos of him with his shirt off, but I think even the director was like, why did you do this? Like I hired you because you're like a normal looking person. <laughs> and now he's like, he looks like this. And again, like it's a, it's a lot of hard work and I've had some supplements and all those kind of things on top of it, you know, mm. apparently, allegedly. Because if you're that age, he's like, what, mid forties nearly? You can't just go from know. like nothing to that in like six months. You stop producing testosterone. And yeah. Yeah. I, I'm finding now at 44 like I, because I've got, I haven't done weights for like two years, and the last few months I've got back into it, and I'm noticing it's a lot harder, and I'm not seeing results. Mm. And I was chatting to a. a I saw a, a photo of you on Instagram the other day. You, I was, I was Myron. You're under oh, a you're waterfall. Myron. <laughs> <laughs> you're Myron. Yeah. Uh, I did push-ups before I took that photo. <laughs> um, it's just the. Well, I guess it's more just the reward for effort. Like I feel yeah. like in, you know five even five years ago you know i could i could maintain pretty well by just going to the gym three or four days a week but now i'm going like five days a week and you know just hanging in there but then mm. this trainer was saying to me well what are you eating and i my appetite in the last couple of years and what i consume has gone way down like okay um, right. know, I, I have my basic three meals a day but pretty small and not really any snacks in between and he said well that's your problem like you've got to eat more and then I remembered back to when I was really hitting the gym and I was eating a lot. It's the it's the caloric intake. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just like, just don't think I can be fucked. Like, <laughs> I mean, now that I have a kid as well, like I cook for all of us, and so that means I do I have to cook for all of us five times yeah. a day? Like three times a day is a pain in the ass, and I don't want to be prepping meals or any of that kind of shit. It's just, it just seems like too much work. Yeah, I, I get a lot of like, and I'm not in doing any kind of crazy thing at the moment, but I I get like you foods and various other things or whatever, just so I've got stuff to eat because I'm like I can't, I can't be preparing like <laughs> twenty meals at the start of the week, which is all like chicken, rice, and broccoli. Like I don't want to eat any of that either, you know, every day. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, there are lots of good apps though that do like healthy meals that you can make really quickly like yeah, i totally. actually signed up to the the chris hensworth app. oh yeah he gave it a uh, look yeah yeah i, I feel like we're, we're similar 
Um, <laughs> but they actually have a pretty good, so the way you can structure it is you just sort of, you know, add what you want to work out, but you can also add meals to it. And then each day, well, it, it gives you a, a, a week's worth of meals, which you can then just instantly add to a shopping list. So you, you don't even have to think about it. You just go to the shops, buy everything, and then mm. each meal you cook it. And it's actually been really good because I do all the cooking for us, but I have a very limited um, range of meals I can cook off the top of my head, maybe like five. Yeah, meals. same. Yeah, but I but I can follow instructions really well, mm. and they give you an actual sort of uh, approximation of like how long this will take to prepare and how long it'll take to cook. So I, I've set my filters to be nothing that takes longer than fifteen minutes. Nice, yeah, that's what so, you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just tends to be a lot of kind of small portion of meat you know, larger portion of vegetables. That's a lot of, of what we eat now. And thankfully, Iona is not a fussy eater. Like she'll eat most things that I put in front of her. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that makes a huge difference. I think that also changes as they get older and they come like in and out of like things that they like and don't. I'm like, you just ate, you ate it yesterday. What's the, why were you, why are you eating it today? You don't like it all of a sudden? Well, I, I had this, um, I have, I've had Iona on my own. Gemma's away working the last couple mm. of days. And um, I haven't had to solo parent with a toddler yet, like last time ah, I could do yeah. it, you know, she was a lot younger and it was easy because they don't they can't move, can't yeah. do anything. Like a paperweight, <laughs> just, just put them down. Yeah. yeah, just stick them in a cupboard, you know, sometimes. <laughs> uh, but now she's like, you know, full toddler and running and disappearing uh, when you don't look at her. But um, she's had this real issue with being territorial mm. and um, possessive of her stuff. You know, at daycare, she doesn't want to share toys at playground. She doesn't want other kids to go on the slide. Mm. And so um, we're at the playground yesterday and we'd pu I'd pushed her there on her trike. And then when we were on the play equipment, some other kids were just sitting on her trike because, you know, they just see a trike at the playground and she's like, no. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> screaming at these kids like to get off a bike. And I was getting so embarrassed that I was like, I'm just going to have to get her out of this situation because she just won't stop screaming. So I grabbed her on the trike and we're leaving the park and I'm trying to explain the concept of sharing and why it's good to share. And she's just not getting it. Like, I'm just yeah. like, well, you know, because, um, you know, if you're in a situation where you have all the cake and, and another kid has no cake, like, wouldn't it feel better to give the kids some cake and then you both have cake and then you're both happy? And she's like, but I want all the cake. And I'm like, fuck, okay, all right. It's a good point, though. I mean, she makes a great point. <laughs> <laughs> she makes a really good point. It's capitalism, man. Like, yeah, that's right. Down. Yeah. It's trickle she down. It. I know. Yeah. If I have enough cake, then maybe I'll leave some crumbs for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah. Trickle down so economics, they call it. Economics. Yeah. So I, I took her to our local cafe and was like, all right, rather than ordering a meal each, let's just order one meal and we're going to mm, share. That's a good idea. And it worked, man. It worked an absolute treat. A, because she felt like, oh, this is grown-up stuff. Like I'm having a grown-up meal. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting with dad and eating his grown-up rather than you know, get ordering off the kid's meal. But also there was this kind of like, Count the game. Like I have a bite, you have a bite, I have a bite, yep. you have a bite. Now yeah. I can't stop her sharing. Like as soon as we got home, she was like <laughs> bringing me her toys. You can have that one. And I'm like, all right, shit. Have I gone too far? Like I don't want my kid to be a pusher. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then and you also find, or maybe, I don't know, this is my experience. They get this really strong sense of what's fair. So if another kid like isn't doing what they perceive to be the right thing. They get really like up in arms about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Can I ask with, with your kids, like yeah. do, do they alternate in terms of favoritism between you and Claire? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I think at the moment, my son, like we he started playing video games. So we're playing like more video games together and we're similar in like a lot of, a lot of ways. People, a lot of people <laughs> say like, he's a mini me. Which like he isn't. He's very much his own person, and he's got a lot of qualities that are that are not that are not mine. But yeah, it just depends on kind of the day. It depends on what like books they like to read at a certain time. You know what I mean? Who's around? Who's up in the morning? Who puts them down at night? So it just it just varies. Yeah. Do do you finding that? Are you? No, no. I'm definitely <laughs> the least favorite. The least favorite. <laughs> really, it fucking hurts my soul. Like so uh, this morning. <laughs> so typically. Uh, in the morning, we have a little uh, Harry Potter door that adjoins our bedroom. So mm. typically in the morning, Iona will come through for a cuddle. Um, and so, you know, mum was away yesterday. And so the whole day we're talking about, you know, explaining the concept of mum being away. And no, she's not coming to get you from uh, daycare. Like, that'll be me. And, and um, but don't worry, you know, she'll be back tomorrow. And so even putting her to bed last night, you know, we talked to mum on the phone and then we read mm. some books and, you know, so 
laid it out pretty clear that it's just me. All right. And she, you know, she was very affectionate last night. It was very cute. <laughs> but this morning, about 6 30, I hear her wake up and I hear her like toddle to the door. And she pushes her open the door and she looks at me and she just goes, No, not you. Get out. Get out. I'm get like, out. What? I'm like, This is my room. She's like, Get out. Not you. Not you. Where's mum? And I'm like, Hang on. We talked about this. Like, mummy's away, but I'm here. And I, and I went to pick her up. She's like, now get out of here. Like she, was so, she was so disappointed and upset. And it really is this thing of, um, I don't Just think get I out of here. Yeah. Oh, no. You fucking ruined, you ruined I'd rather it. It's already nothing. been a bad start to the day. Yeah, go make me something to eat. Like make yourself useful. Go get some. But it, it is this thing of, um, like, I don't think I've ever been the favorite. Like if there's a go-to settler, if there's a go-to to, you know, it, it, it's always mum. And I've had some friends assure me that it will change. It'll oh, definitely. Around, like, yeah, yeah. But will it? No, it will. It absolutely will. And I think, like, as, you know, you kind of find, like, common interests as they get older, you know what I mean? It just, it just happens. And they just – and I think oh, – well, my brother's got kids who are, like, much older than my kids. And it even happens as they get, like, into their teen years. You know what I mean? They just yeah. – and then they gravitate well, towards bloody... like other people like outside of the family and they don't want to like know you at all, you know? So, so, so. <laughs> hell, man. This is my concern is I'll just never be the favorite. Like there'll just always be more interesting and it's better a... people around. I've heard, I, Claire told me this, I'm, I'm not sure where she heard it from, but apparently it's like being like heartbroken over a really like long period of time as they like slowly <laughs> pull away from you this thing that you love more than anything in the world. And then gets to a point yeah. where they're just like, Ah, shut up. Like they don't even want they don't even want to listen to you at all. Well, I remember my mum sharing an article with me a few years before she passed away and it was like, mm. you know, my I'm one of nine kids, so you know, my mum uh, was a a mother for like full time for like 30 years or something. And so Bloody when I that. was kind of old enough as the youngest when I was old enough to move out and I moved out pretty much at the age of 18, she was so loved having like her life back and her space back. Like yeah. it's like she'd been in prison for 30 years, but she really wrestled with the concept of what it meant to be a parent once your kids are grown up because yeah. my, my family are all pretty independent. Like no kids were particularly needy or, or, you know, we, we all moved out pretty early. Like no one stayed at home. She didn't have to sort of like financially assist or assist in other ways, any of the kids. But so she had this kind of freedom, but wasn't sure you know, what her obligations were. In fact, like she kept all these journals that I've read that are, are amazing because she does this one. Um, she and my sister drove around Australia in like the late nineties and, mm. and the journal starts off with her being like, Oh God, I've got to remember it's so-and-so's birthday. I got to buy a card for them. And oh, I've got to remember this. And, uh, and it's, and it's my granddaughter's blah, blah, blah. And then sort of round about like the halfway point of the journal, she's like, this is so much fucking work. Like, do I really have to keep doing <laughs> This, like, can't, I can't even remember what I like to do. Like, what is it that I want to do with my own time? And then yeah. by the time you get to the end of the journal, she's like, you know what? They're fine. I'm fine. I've been a mum. I just want, a, like, adult relationships with my adult kids. If they want to hang out with me, then they can. If they don't want to, then that's fine. I just want to read my <laughs> books and, like, listen to the ABC and all this kind of stuff. So she sent me this article, which was um, a column written by someone about this concept of your child being an individual from the moment they're born. And it's mm. one of the hardest things to kind of wrap your head around as a, as an, as a parent is like, cause you sort of think that, well, they're, you know, they're 50% my DNA and yeah, it's like and, an extension you know, of you. That, like, a, and it's an extension like, of me. And yeah. so, and, and, and so therefore they should like the things I like and they should yeah. respond the same way to, but it's not true. Like I own a, I can see elements of Jem and I in her but she is clearly her own person. Exactly. And yeah. I've, yeah. I've had to put. I've had to put away my my dreams and aspirations because. Yeah. I just don't know. Well, I don't know what direction she's going to go in, but in in everything, like in terms of you know what what she chooses to do for career, but just even what the things that interest her as a kid, and I'm getting prepared for like, oh my god she's probably going to like the worst music and want to do the most like insanely boring things in the weekend. And I'm going to have to drive her there every Saturday. Yeah. But that's kind of good, right? Because I can start that separation. No, I don't mean to sound callous in a way, but mm. it's good, right? To, to sort of like start realizing early that 
yeah, like it'd be weirder if she was a mini me. It'd be yeah, weirder if we would spent be, yeah. And I think that would also be together. confusing for them. Like, cause often like with my son, like I mentioned, like jokingly, a lot of people are like, he's a lot like you. And I'm like, no, he, like he's, he's somewhat like me, but we're completely different. And we're very like, we're, we're very different in a lot of ways. Like we get along, but there's a lot of opinions we don't share or things that we don't, you know, we both don't like, you know, and I think that's so important. And I, and also, yeah, it can be difficult to be like, but I like this thing. What do you mean? You know, like, you know, yeah. like this thing, but also, like you said, it's a good thing. Cause why would you want somebody who's just you? It is just echoing back everything that you think and feel and like, you know, I think that's like, yeah, it's, like that with, with any relationship. You know what I mean? Why would you want to hang I think, out with yourself? Yes. hundred percent. I think that's like, I think Tony Martin, um, made, had a joke years ago about when Johnny Depp was dating Kate Moss. And he's like, doesn't that feel like the ultimate masturbatory thing is when two people who kind of look similar date each other? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they do have a similar waifish, beautiful, fine bone structure yeah. quality. It's, uh, well, it's funny you should mention Johnny Depp because you sent me an incredible clip last week. And oh, I don't yeah. know whether you've got around to talking about it. But no, no. Do you I, want to explain? We want to record. I don't know if we've got yeah, time we to meant talk to record about this. Uh, this episode of Fofot last week, but we ran out of time. And at this, at at when I got in contact with you, I was mid rabbit hole uh, on Johnny Depp, Twenty One Jump Street, the eighties, yeah. because <clears throat> I had stumbled across this clip, and I don't even know how. I think the algorithm sent it my way. The algorithm God, they send some weird stuff, myself. don't they? They're like, "There's a video from nine years ago," and you're like, "This is exactly what I wanted to see." Actually, <laughs> this is exactly what I want. <laughs> Well, that's funny because uh, Will and I often joke on Tofop about, oh, like your phone's listening to you or whatever. And then we had some kind of computer science dude write in to say, nah, man, like what you don't realize is that you are leaving so much information yeah. online with your search history, yep. with your purchases. Like you think that you're a complex they, Like individual. they know how old you are. They know if you've got yeah. kids or not kids, if you're single or not. They know your friends and what they like. It's so, uh, Yeah. Well, I, I got sent a targeted ad for like this lawn care product, like literally a day after talking to a gardener about how to, I fix my lawn. And I'm like, is he working for YouTube? Like, how the fuck? How the fuck did they know? Like, I don't remember. I don't recall searching for lawn care yeah. on YouTube. I had a conversation, but somehow it fucking found me. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I like to think that like, that's the same guy at all your different interactions. You go to a coffee shop and it's just him and a mustache just asking <laughs> yeah, you questions. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's your own that's personal like Google researcher. Yeah. Val Kilmer and the Saint. He's just this <laughs> yeah, master right. of disguise. Uh, yeah, so this clip was, it's a um, clip from Hey Hey It's Saturday uh, for international era. listeners. How, how do you describe, Hey Hey It's Saturday was a the variety most popular. hour that went for three hours, would you say? Yeah, yeah, which I, I think initially was on a Thursday night, even though it was Hey Hey It's Saturday. And then and it was a you know, kid show before that, wasn't it? Night. Like a- it's a kid show before that. And mm. I mean, it's 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 hard to explain. So it's a, it's a variety show. So yeah, there's yep. a host and there's like a house band and, and it's a bit like Dave Letterman in the sense that um, the people who work on the show are kind of personalities themselves. So like the house band all have personalities and chip in. You've yeah. got like John Blackman, who's this voiceover guy who's yeah. like, there's, you know, this omnipotent voice who cracks jokes, generally homophobic stuff. Generally homophobic. There's, there's various puppets. There's a man who draws various cartoons. Um, I think there's too many characters, if I'm honest. There's, yeah. there's like 15 people chiming in at any one time, you know? I mean, in many ways, like, I think if you pitched it, like the concept of what it is, it actually sounds pretty amazing. Like if you said, okay, look, there is a host. It's a lo- three hours live. You're going to have a host who's going to be on his thinking on his feet and he's going to be getting like, mm. you know, the, the band chipping in and these puppets chipping in a voiceover and he's just going to be, you know, super quick and he's got to roll with it and improv. That's a great concept. Yeah. The issue was the host was Daryl Summers. And <laughs> Daryl Summers, like he, Gemma didn't grow up in Australia. And so she's only had sort of very vague brushes with Daryl Summers. Like I've shown her things and she cannot wrap her head around the fact that this guy was at one stage, you know, the most popular personality on TV. But yeah. secondly, that he keeps getting jobs. Like we, very in the very first season of Dancing with the Stars, I was doing a show at Channel Seven, and so we got invited to a taping. And uh, Michael Chamberlain, the comedian, he and I have have, have long uh, had an ironic love of, of Daryl Summers and, and Hey Hey mm. It's Saturday. And so 
I said to Michael, let's go to the, this taping of Dancing with the Stars. And Jem, you can come along. She'd never seen Daryl Summers before. So during the taping of this episode, it was live. And so they go to an ad break and you know Daryl's getting his makeup done. And while he's getting his makeup done, he notices that there's a lady with a seeing eye dog in the front row. And so he's just doing a bit of banter with her. And he's like, oh, I say, well, you know, where are you from? And she's like, I actually, you know, work at a blind school. And it's like, oh, well, when we come back from the ad break, why don't I give a, a plug to your blind school? And the woman's like, well, that'd be great. And so hmm. he's gone, can I, can I take your guide dog on stage? And, you know, and she's like, yeah, absolutely. And so they bring the dog and the audience is like clapping. Okay. So Daryl's there in his tuxedo. They come back from the ad break. And Daryl's like, you know, and we've got a lovely lady here from the so-and-so, you know, uh, uh, blind school. And he's talking. And as he's talking, the guide dog, because the guide dog's not with its owner, is trying to get back to its owner. So the dog's pulling away from Daryl and Daryl's trying to do his thing. And so Daryl, thinking on his feet, is like, well, you know, better roll with it. So what he attempts to do is make it look like he's riding the dog like it's a bucking bronco. But the way he positions himself is directly behind the dog and he starts like thrusting his hips at it. So it looks like he's having sex with this lady's dog. And so this is going on and Michael and I are just like our jaws are on the floor. And Gemma turns to me and she's like, who is this guy? And I'm like, he's the most popular like TV personality Australia has ever produced. It is bizarre because, like, we often we bring it up way too much. Me and Mason, the show and the concept and the characters and and red faces and which is basically yeah. just like red faces. It's the Gong Show, but it's just look at these freaks. Like that's essentially yeah. what it is. You know, it's it feels really yeah. like a lot of it feels really mean. But yeah, for the people who have like who have watched clips of it, like on our recommendations, they're just like I don't understand <laughs> what this is. And I like even as a kid, I'm like. This is always on and I don't like it and it goes forever, but I can't escape yeah. it. You know what I mean? They even bring it up in the castle, the you know, that famous Australian movie where they're like, when they're not yeah. watching Hey, It's Saturday, they're watching the best of Hey, Hey, It's Saturday. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, on, that's right. On, on different nights. But uh, that clip that you showed me as well, it's so it's Johnny Depp, Johnny 21 Depp. Jump Street era, and he's doing the Gong Hottest. Show segment. Yeah, hottest yeah, he's the star hottest, in the world. Yeah. Hottest TV star in the world at that stage. And the uh, thing is, soon I to remember, transition to movies, yeah. Yeah, mm. I re- but I remember this. Like, I remember seeing this when it went to air. I remember being a kid because I loved 21 Jump Street. Yeah. And I remember seeing him come out and feeling such shame <laughs> from my I know, country. I, I, like, I know exactly what the- you mean. It, it reminds me of when we did, when we had the Olympics 2000, they bought out three floats and one was Kylie Minogue. And I'm like, yeah, she's great. But then it was like, Paul Hogan and something Paul else. Hogan. And it's like, what do you, what do we do? I think one might have been the Wiggles, which is great actually. Like, but it's just yeah. like, this is embarrassing. Like this is, <laughs> the people already think that we all love and are still obsessed with Crocodile Dundee, but it's been a long time, you know? This, this clip though, the, the brilliant thing about it is before they even get to the Red Faces segment is it starts with like a sketch where it's Johnny Depp interrogating Ozzy Ostrich. Like oh, a scene right. from 21 yep. Jump Street. And like, and Johnny, because I guess Johnny's a, a good actor. Good like, actor. He commits. He's fully committed to it, yeah. But you're watching it and you're like, whose fucking idea was this? Yeah, why are you making like, him do this? TV like, I star. feel <laughs> this is Matt LeBlanc at the Logies in 98 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and when there's a moment where Dickie Nee, uh, who's a, another puppet who always pops up at the front desk and says something probably about someone's boobs or something, I don't know. And he just yeah, starts yeah. swatting him with like a newspaper or whatever, which I'm like, yeah, that's a very, like, he's just not having it. <laughs> Understandable response. But it is funny too, isn't it? That it's like, I think there's at one point Daryl signs off the segment. And the other thing is like, like Johnny Depp is like the crowd goes bananas. There is absolutely yeah. no way in the world that this guy is not going to be a star. Like he just radiates charisma. Yeah, he looked amazing. And he's got like his hat and his bandana. He's already like nailed that aesthetic that he's, that he's yeah, stuck yeah. with. He actually looks fashionable for by like contemporary stuff. Completely agree. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but then like Daryl's like, well, you know, well, next time you're back in Australia, we'll have you back on the show. And you can just see this look on Johnny's yeah. face, which is like Definitely. fucking yeah. never. <laughs> <laughs> never, never coming back on this but show. But that was it, again. wasn't it? Like if you came to Australia, you would go on Hey Hey It's Saturday. And because I remember being yeah. impressed. This is sounds, sounds ridiculous. I remember they got E17. <laughs> they did yes, the song. Yes, I remember that one And I remember as well. being like, holy shit, this is a big deal. They got 
E17, you know, yeah. which is very I'm funny in-, in hindsight. But I know Daryl, I think it was an interview recently where it's like, it's hard now because like acts, acts come to Australia and they've got no platform to go on or whatever. And where do they turn to? There's no, but it's like, they don't need that. They don't need any of this. Yeah. There's social media iPhone, and various other things like social media platforms they could appear on and whatever. And if they go to events, like 400 people are going to be taking their picture and videos or whatever and uploading them. You don't need a variety hour and a puppet. Yeah. And then like a man well, shouting things from a booth. Oh, and a sound effects guy who's a different guy as well. Oh, yeah, that's right, Murray. <laughs> All this kind of bombardment <laughs> of noise like coming at somebody. But even like traditional talk shows – I mean, it's so the, the boring. That the, the pandemic really highlighted is like, fuck, this is a tired format. And yeah. look, I don't really. The only I only re, I like Seth Meyers, but I only really like the closer look segment. I don't yeah. really watch any of his interviews because they're so fucking painful and they're so prepackaged. And it's like, well, here's clearly five things that your publicist told us we could ask you about. And so, how's that prepared mm. anecdote? But then when you watched it without a a crowd and they're doing it out of their fucking attic or whatever. You're like, why are you still do- just don't do the show for a year. Just like, yeah. when do you get a crowd back? Cause it's barely tolerable when there is a crowd, but it's intolerable when there's no yeah, one. Absolutely. It feels very devoid of any kind of anything interesting, like at all. And I look, and, and to get back to Joe Rogan, he realized that mm. very early on of like, I'm not doing any of this shit. Like I'm not, I don't do interviews. You know, I don't, despite what you think of him, I think that's a very, like savvy move just to be like, I'm not doing a cameo on your show. You know what I mean? I'm not going to pop in as a guest segment. I'm just not doing any of that, you know? And it's easy to, when you've got a yeah. hundred million dollars <laughs> to like to, yeah. to say that, but um, uh, unless you're, unless you're an alt-right uh, commentator, in which case, yeah, I'll come on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So mad. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> Yo, you've got, a, you've, got a, with- you've got a weird, a weird doctor that's got an insane thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll talk to him. Yeah, it is. It's funny though, sort of seeing him, you know, because I've I, I was I've been listening to Rogan for years, and I sort of dip in and out. It just depends on who the guest is. Like you know, there's sometimes I like I find the that three hour podcast is impossible to listen to in one sitting. But yeah. you can sort of dip in and out, and if it's someone that you like, then it can be really interesting. What I find is so fascinating about the current situation is that he's never really had to be accountable. Before, I guess yeah. like podcasts in general were a fairly off Broadway, but now it is like, you know, he's a, like it or not, he has like political influence. He has social influence exactly, and, yeah. sort of, and, and he's backed by a big corporation. And so when they lose subscriptions or whatever, he has to come out and say, oh, we you know we're, we're trying to do something, which is, I'll be interested to see going forward how much it influences. Cause if you read the comments of any of his posts, like it only tends to be the angriest people seem to be commenting yeah. and even the move to Spotify, I noticed there was a lot of kind of negativity from his fans around that about, mm. oh, they're going to start censoring you and then you're going to start pulling episodes. And then they were right. <laughs> like it actually oh, started to happen. Yeah. I think if you're on, and I also think if he had have stayed like just on YouTube, it, it still would have happened. He just wouldn't have had a hundred million dollars, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, but also I guess he also wouldn't have had to, to apologize, but it, it do, he does seem like, in over his head because it was like just conversations like this. And now, and now all of yeah. a sudden there's a lot of money on the line and there's like tens of thousands, tens of millions of people like listening every week, you know, it's a lot of pressure. Mm. And I think there's a lot of people who will just sit across from him and just kind of parrot things back to him that he's like interested in hearing. And then that, mm. and he also seems to be like whoever's in front of him, he'll just mostly be like, yeah, that's crazy. And like, not like, yeah. and because I think he's genuinely yeah, he, curious. I don't think he's malicious. Like, I think he's no curious and, e- and yeah, easily kind of befuddled at times. Yeah. He's definitely got a malleable viewpoint. As I would be, I should de- point out. Yeah. yeah malleable vo- viewpoint, depending on uh, who's in front of him. I, I Look, I agree. And I think that people who sort of immediately dismiss him as being right wing just haven't listened to the show because, you know, that some of the interviews I've heard, he expresses like pretty left-wing values like in his pro-medicare for all and you know he believes in paying more taxes if he believed the government could spend it better but i think there is this it's kind of the in one way he is curious but it's also it's the it's the lack of pushback Mm, on stuff that sounds fucking crazy yeah you know like not even coming from guests but i remember him saying something once i'm like how did you arrive at that where he's talking about Oh, male feminists. He hates male feminists. Okay. 
And he said the reason he hates male feminists is because they're all Weasley dudes. Every time you meet a, a male feminist, they're always Weasley. And I'm like, that sounds like you've had a bad experience with one person who claims to be a feminist. Yeah, because- exactly. And also, like, there are people who, like, pretend to have certain ideologies to just to sleep with people. You know what I mean? And that's not a feminist. Yeah. That's, like, that's a creep. You know, that's, yeah. that's not yeah, the same exactly. thing. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's what the point he was making. But then he was dismissing anyone who kind of like, you know, goes, yeah, I believe in feminism as being this. You can't yeah. possibly be a male who supports feminism. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You can support like civil rights. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Be, you can, you can want equality. And yeah, I, I think also like they, you know, a lot of guys, you know, come on, they get caught up in this idea of like, oh, equality, what, we're just going to give everybody like the same amount of money and whatever and that socialism, whatever. But what I think like a lot of people are pushing for is like equality of opportunity, not equality of outcome. You know what I mean? Everybody oh, is Oh, meritocracy. The same. Is, that what yeah. is, that what is that what you're pushing? Jordan I guess Peterson? so. If meritocracy. That's the, if that's the word for it. But I just mean like, you know, everybody has different starting points. You know what I mean? And it's about, yeah. and it can never be perfect. It's not possible. Like even like the, the brain that you're born with is not, you know, you, everybody's different. So you c- cannot be equal. Yeah. But and it's not about I think giving everybody something at the end of you know the same wage or whatever. It's about you know making sure everybody has the same opportunity. I think it gets twisted up in all these other ideas that like that aren't true. You know what I mean? That that people don't necessarily want. You know. And, well, it's also the tribalism of just like adhering to a certain set of ideals. Like once you've kind of identified with a certain group or a certain ideology, then you tend to lean towards. Like I was talking, um, who was I talking to about this? Where it's uh, Michael Chamberlain about like, you know, I am very aware of my biases. And when I'm looking up a YouTube video, like I love to see like a conservative getting owned on Twitter. You know, like I I think that it's it's like one of my favorite, favorite things. But, you know. uh, But there's also like a a million videos of like the opposite, you know what I mean? That we don't get fed, you know? A hundred percent. And I think that, you know, that's the idea that, you know, you can you can just drop people into one category, you know, on the left or right, and that covers everyone. Makes absolutely no sense because you you have to speak to people on every single individual on the micro level to understand how they feel about specific things. Because some people might have very liberal views about certain things and very conservative views about other things. Mm. And then I think you can get really lazy and just say, "Yeah, I'm a conservative. I'm a liberal." It's like, well, what does that even? Mm. mean these days like what specifically are you referring to yeah yeah and again like yeah means different things to different people and i don't know i think it's just honestly i think it's all most of it is noise but it's really comes down to like the wealth divide between like ultra rich people who are playing who are paying not as rich people to tell us why that the wage should be a certain way or why you shouldn't have healthcare or why that the world's not on fire actually and you're okay you know what i mean i think it's i think it's basically like wealth inequality that's what i think it is but that that was it's my favorite line of uh, don't look up towards the end when Jonah Hill, they're doing one of those Trump style rallies. And he's mm. like, because, you know, we're the same. You, the poor people and us, the cool rich. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. yeah, exactly. And just the idea of the, like a lot of people, like I'm an underground thinker. I'm a free thinker. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not the mainstream. It's like, you are the mainstream. You are the mainstream. Yeah. Like millions of people like, listen, you are, you are backed by like, <laughs> God knows who, you know what I mean? I don't know. Well, anyway. just that that lack of the lack of self awareness when you have someone come out and go, oh, like typical left leaning ABC, blah blah blah. And it's mm. like the publication you're writing for is right leaning. Like, do yeah. you understand that yeah. there are, of course, there are sort of biases and and people lean to one side or the other. But you are also doing that. Like, yeah. you, no one is completely neutral. No, you, you can't, can't possibly argue that. Yeah. Yeah, and even like, because I've had conversations with people who are like, oh, you know, the ABC takes, you know, public money and whatever. And like, what about the corporations, including media media corporations, who like don't pay taxes and just outright steal like billions of dollars? Is that the equivalent to the like, the the very small ABC budget that that they get? You know what I mean? Those things are not the same. And again, it's all distraction like, look at these doll bludgers or whatever. Like, I don't give a fuck. If somebody's got an injury or faking an injury and scams like forty thousand dollars a year i don't give a shit like what like what do i care you're good on them like but just you know that's not the problem and i think that's all distraction anyone who argues that people love being on the dole has never been on the dole yeah exactly i have been on the dole and it fucking sucks like (laughs) it really fucking sucks like there is it's not like you can just kick back and just fucking enjoy like you 
have to fucking work out work how and you're going to make that and... time. Yeah, and but work out how you're going to make that fucking minuscule amount yeah. of money. That's <laughs> like, what I mean. Yeah, your like rent you, when I say work, I mean yeah, and... you got to <laughs> yeah. like, you got to prove that you're well, doing things. Well, you know? then there's also yeah, th- then there's also those yeah, the, the fucking job diaries that you had. To, I mean, I don't know if they still yeah. do that. I think maybe they they force people to work road crews now or something. Okay, like yeah, that. right, yeah. But it sucks, man. It fucking sucks. I don't think I don't know anyone who's like, yeah, this is great. This is good. This is my. This is me on the gravy train. Yeah, this now. is me forever. <laughs> you know. And yeah. if someone gets injured at work or you know w- wherever, then even not at work, then you, I think that person should just be cared for, just forever, because yeah. they're a person. And why not? You know, that's that's fine. Yeah. Man, James Clement, James, Mister Sunday Movies, maybe Mister Bloody Latte sipping left wing bloody. I don't even drink lattes. How dare you, <laughs> <laughs> James? We're going to wrap it up there. Thanks you so much. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You were Me very too. busy last week. You very kindly found time this week. I really wanted to um, talk about I'm that. Gonna... Hey, hey, it's Saturday clip. So I'm glad we got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll put a link to it. Anyone who's curious, there'll be a link in the episode description below. But you can check out James's podcast, The Weekly Planet, his other podcasts, his other less successful podcasts. So just where can people go to check out all your stuff? Uh, well, actually, we can go to uh, planetbroadcasting.com. We're gonna, uh, but we're about to shift everything over to bigsandwich.co. But uh, that, all those things will get you everywhere. Or oh, my Twitter handle, at Mr. Sunday Movies, and all on all platforms we're currently doing the twilight movies for uh on youtube if you like yeah twilight movies yeah i'm, I'm working my way through though listening not the twilight movies listening to you talk about okay the twilight yeah, movies. yeah i haven't yeah. really wow. found the stomach to watch them it's good i feel like you are doing the work that i should be doing to stay current <laughs> with pop culture but i'll let you do the heavy lifting yeah. and just parrot and parrot parrot what the information you i'm gonna i'm gonna use your jokes and claim them as my own Is please that okay? do if you could i mean you say current pop culture but the last one was like 10 years ago <laughs> it's a really fucking hell oh my god covid's robbed us of so much <laughs> i know right yeah uh, uh, we'll wrap it up i'm charlie clausen I'm, I'm james clement you didn't sound sure i am i'm 100 <laughs> <Okay>. percent sure <laughs>